God is good, isn't he? Come on, all the time. It's not just a cliche phrase. Come on. That's for real. God is good all the time. We just, I say this, and I feel like everything I say becomes a broken record as a preacher because you talk so much. And everybody who knows me knows I talk too much. The funny thing is, I don't really need to talk. I actually love alone time. I can be quiet and don't need to talk. I know you don't believe me. But anyway, so I feel like a broken record sometimes. But, you know, we just don't understand what God's up to. Anyone who thinks they understand what he's up to is lying to yourself. You may have a little piece of it, but we just don't understand. And I was just reminded this morning of how uh, last year, um, actually two years ago, two years ago as we were coming into, uh, into December, uh, just a quick little story to encourage you, and I just, just the Lord's just showing me that, we, that He has a plan, and His plan, He doesn't need to tell you why, and He doesn't need to tell you the details uh, but his plan is the best plan. It's the best way. Amen. And just instantly, out of nowhere, he just reminded me two years ago, right now, uh, uh, I work for myself and I have a box truck that I drive around and, and I had had it. The Lord had sustained it for so long. I never broke down one time in that truck in like, uh, whatever it was, nine or ten years. I mean, the Lord was so faithful. But I went through a DOT checkpoint, and they found all the issues of, of age. The Lord had sustained it. It didn't break down, but it was time. I just knew it was time. I climbed underneath, and I looked at the rust and things and, and knew that it would, it would be a, uh, the right time to move on. So Dawn and I were talking, and she's like, why don't you, you know, wait till the springtime? And, and I said, no, I don't want to go into winter with this truck, and, you know, and I'd have to fix these things. Otherwise, I'm just driving the thing around illegal, and I really don't want to do that. Uh, maybe you know, for a little while, too, I'm trying to get the money together. Obviously, you know, uh, the, even the DOT gives you some time. But anyway, I push and I push and I push, and I get this box truck on paper, and I close on it. And, and it seemed like it was the Lord because I went into prayer and I asked uh, for the Lord to open and close the door and you just make it happen. And, and, uh, and they, so the bank called me back and they said, you know, this is the amount of money that we're going to give you. And I said, no, that's not the amount I want. This is what I want. And I wanted 120%. I didn't want to pay a dime out of my pocket. I wanted the whole truck paid. They only wanted to give me 80%. And I said, no, I want, I want 120% loan so I could pay for everything. I want to put some boxes and some things inside it. I want it all set up, et cetera. Anyway, December 31st, right there, just to slide in so I could have my, because I wanted my write-off for the taxes as a, as a self-employed business owner. It was very important for self-employed. I needed that write-off. And so, anyway, um, <laughs> long story short about that truck is that I never received it. The keys never came. I had it right in time, and I'm thinking, this is perfect. I have my write-off of the truck, and, 
And uh, it was through a reputable business, a nationwide company, and I'm not going to say it for the podcast, but nationwide business. And, and uh, anyway, and it never comes. So now I actually have to still need a new truck. Thank God the Lord, I, I avoided all DOT checkpoints. Miraculously, I just, they would wave me through or something. I just asked the Lord. And then, and then I go do a job for a DOT state trooper, and he gives me a sticker. I mean, come on, tell me the Lord's not giving me some grace there. And he's like, if you have any issues, it's not a guarantee, but put the sticker on the window and tell him you know me. And so, thank God, I didn't even have to use it. I got through. And so, but now I've got to come up with another down payment. The other one's all just caught in limbo. And i got to come up with another down payment in my slow season of wintertime. And, uh, and, and so, finally, it all works out. And the old truck, I do get my money back after, like, uh, six months. It was a huge, huge process. But it doesn't count as a write-off because it was never my truck. So, that was it. 2018 is closed. I mean, that's the year. That was done, and that's that. And I just said, okay, Lord, you'll do it. And I paid my taxes, which was more than I wanted, and that was that. Anyway, get in the new truck, and I drove it through the year and, and so on. And, and I was very thankful for the brand-new truck anyway. The Lord actually put me into a brand-new one. And I thought, I could never do this. We can't afford it. This is craziness. And now here I am driving around a brand-new truck with air conditioning, uh, power windows, power locks, and a box truck, which to me, I had nothing. I mean, manual everything. And no AC might not seem like a big deal until you've been working in 100 degrees on a roof, which is like 150. And then you got to drive home an hour, and it's bumper-to-bumper traffic while everybody's texting. That's when it gets real hot. So now I'm driving around in this new truck with air conditioning, and I got power mirrors. and I mean, things I didn't even ask for, but it's all just, it just came with this. That's just what this new one was. Anyway, we get into the following year, and Dawn and I don't even know. We had no idea we were going to buy a new house. That was such a pipe dream for us. It was like, you know, we're never, ever going to be able to do that anytime soon. I mean, one day, I don't know how, but the Lord will just have to do it miraculously. And uh, not to tell the whole story, but it unraveled that we, we end up getting into this house, and we were approved. I just, the Lord just put this whole picture in my heart this morning just to, just to comfort me, but also I'm trying to bring it to you to give you some comfort that the Lord's on your side and he's got a plan. We got approved by the skin of our teeth. If I had, if that write-off had gone through, we wouldn't have made it. That's it. Because it's all about numbers. It's not about how much, you know, that's just how that, you know, if you've been through the process and all, of, I think many of you have been here, been here. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just a numbers game. And, if, and, and they're going to take your taxes and they could care less what you say you make. This is what your taxes say. This is your taxes. So if that write-off had come off, they'd be like, well, you know, uh, the, you're, you're not approved for this. And in fact, when we pulled into the driveway of the house we have now, I told my realtor, I said, we'll take it. We hadn't even walked inside. And he starts laughing at me. He goes, you're funny. I go, the funny thing is, you think I'm joking. <laughs> now, it was hell, to say the least, after I agreed because the devil was just tried to create turmoil. And it was just a very, and it's just always, a, I think it's always a frustrating process anyway, right? The whole move is just not necessarily enjoyable. It's just a frustrating process anyway. Anyway. 
get into the house, and then that year to get the house, now this is funny, it's not just one miracle, but the Lord, I mean, you can't figure this out. You can't make this happen on your own. Not only did the write-off not go through, which needed to happen for us to get approved, now it's the following year, we're going to close on this house, which needs what? A huge down payment, which needs means what? You need to make a lot of money, which... I don't normally make this type of money, but the Lord just did something supernatural so that we had the down payment. And we had never done that before, and this year was not like that. I'm not, I'm not mad at God, but this year was not the same as last year in that way. But he did it supernaturally, but now we have the down payment. We're in. The numbers are good, but what's that mean? Well, lots of money means lots of taxes. Well, now I've got a brand new truck, which was a much higher number than I even thought I was capable of, which then comes off of this year's taxes so that we pay literally, I think, close to zero dollars in taxes after that huge write-off. The whole write-off comes off, and it would have been a huge tax bill, and they take this truck that I didn't even think I could afford and sod it over. And then, so the Lord's just reminding me, if I try to organize that and try to plan that out, you can't plan that. Do you realize, though, in the moment, you know how frazzled. If you know me, if you've been around me for the last couple of years, you know that those couple of moments, I was incredibly stressed. In January, where we do very, very little work, and, and I was now having to come up with a second $3,000 down payment, which just wasn't easy. God did it supernaturally. But I was so incredibly stressed, and I would have sworn that it was the devil. I would have sworn in that process that it was the enemy messing this whole thing up. Meanwhile, God was working out. And the funny thing is the enemy, I don't know what, how, what he can see. We don't understand it. He's not God, okay? He's smarter than your human mind and your, your human person of you. You know, you're a spirit and you're human, right? Don't think you're smarter than the devil because you're not. Your spirit, though, is connected to the spirit of God, which is what? Your feet are now over his head, right? You crush his head, you crush the serpent, you crush the scorpion. But your human mind is not. Don't think you're smarter than the devil. He will outsmart your human mind every single time. You get in your own strength. He's got you tricked before you even know you were tricked. Just heard a testimony, right? Of, of how the devil just lies. And then he creates the, and, he, and he, he actually will back up his lies with proof. He'll put people in the right place and, and the right words. You'll overhear conversations and back up his lies. And so, meanwhile, I don't know what he sees and how he can see, but he really needed me to close on that truck on the 31st of that year. Somehow, I don't know what he can see in time. I don't, he's not all-knowing, but he can see more than we can see. And he needed it to happen. And, and meanwhile, he was trying to put us into uh, a vehicle that the only reason I never saw the keys is they couldn't get the thing running long enough to drive it from the location to me. And that was now going to be my burden going from a truck that was rusted but never, ever broke down ever? I don't think so. God's got a plan for your life. God is so incredibly faithful. He is so faithful. 
He's so faithful. He is so faithful. And we just need to trust him. Come on, say, I need to trust him. Because right now, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to come in and encourage you today. I feel like you needed to be reminded. Say, I need to be reminded. Maybe no one else is going through anything in here. I mean, maybe you guys are all just on cloud nine this week. All right, so then maybe it's just, you know what, I'll just talk to myself and the podcast, but you just, just sit here for a little while. Or maybe, maybe you are going through some things, and the Lord wants to encourage you that he's done it before, and he's going to do it again. And don't try to figure it out, because you can't. You can't. You can't figure it out. How would God even explain it to you if he wanted to? I would never get it, and I would be like, that's the devil. That's the devil talking. That's not God. God is so faithful, and you know, his word is filled with the exact same story, just different details, the same story you live out in your life. The word of God is filled with it. Your, the word is filled with your life. You just need to plug yourself into it and you'll see, wow, God, uh, it's just as relevant today as it was the day they lived it out, and then the day they penned it down, and the day it was preserved for me, and the day it became a digital. I can read it on an iPad, and it's just as relevant as the day they lived it out. And I was just going through his word in the book of Deuteronomy. I started preaching from it last week, and I've been reading it because Deuteronomy is an interesting book. You know what Deuteronomy is about? Deuteronomy is about how God had done so many things for them in the book of Exodus. And Deuteronomy is, don't forget what I've done for you. Because the moment you forget, you're gone. You know what the devil's trying to get us to do to forget God? As soon as we forget that God is God... And that he's always at work. Say, he's always at work. And that's why I said it's not cliche. He's always good. You just don't understand it right now. And I've said this so many times, but let's just be reminded of this. If you were to look as a Christian, if you were to look through Peter's eyes, and actually, let's go to John's eyes. Because John is standing at the foot of the cross. He's the only disciple that stayed with Jesus till that point. If you were to look through his eyes at your Savior, what would you have thought in that moment? What would you have thought? And, and you know, we know the story. They go back to fishing, don't they, after Jesus doesn't condemn them for him. I love that. That's a different sermon. He actually builds them up. He encourages them, and he pushes them out right into the next phase of their call. But if you were to look in that moment, you would have thought, I don't know what to think anymore. I really thought that you were going to do something here, God. 
and you failed. How could you let them crucify our Lord? And yet, what you couldn't see, what, what even John, who loved Jesus, right? The one whom Jesus loved, even he didn't understand. Even he didn't understand. It, says, it tells us that Jesus had to come and present himself to them to show them, I'm alive. You forgot this. Come on, everybody say, they forgot what God promised. You know that the thing is, when we're going through the season of unknowns, we are without excuse for doubt and worry and fear. Because you don't realize, because the details, the devil has a way of making the details look really grim. You just don't realize this is exactly what God said was going to happen, and he's going to finish what he started, and his promise is on the other side. But we don't understand it. Jesus starts telling them over and over and over again, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be crucified. And yet they're suddenly surprised, and it says that they were scattered. And what they couldn't see was that the Lord was actually working a miracle behind the scenes. Something that the devil could never touch ever again. The Lord is working out a miracle in your life. The I just had this word in my, in my spirit all morning, and, and I didn't know this the first time he played that song and I, and about, you know, the Lord's going to give us a victory, and I just had this word in my heart all morning, victory, victory, victory. I'm going to be just preaching about remembering what God has done and being reminded of what he's done, but I had this word in my spirit about victory. He's done it before. Why would he fail you now? Say, he's done it before. Why would he fail me now? And yet, in the circumstances, I'll be honest, when I'm going through the circumstances, I'm always ashamed after. And then, you know, we can't be condemned, right? Romans 8.1. Right? We're not going to be condemned. We just need to just give it, give it to the Lord and say, Lord, that was my human part. I'm always ashamed after. But during where I don't realize that I've been starting to listen to the devil's lies. I don't realize that this is a demonic attack right now. So I'm just trying to just like walk out life. And it, before you, you, you're already in the thing. And then you're like, God, you cry out, I need your help. But now, you weren't such a faith-filled Christian. So now you're crying out is, Lord, I need your help. But also, forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for worrying. Forgive me for the fear. Forgive me for forgetting that you said you would never leave us and you would never forsake us. And my actions and my words and my, my, my just general spirit about me recently hasn't been telling that message. But if someone were to read me like they were reading a message, they would say, I don't know that he trusts God right now. But God is faithful. Come on. He is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, just a few verses for you. It says in Hebrews 10, I, had, I just have many. I mean, they all say it. Really, right from Genesis to Revelation, they all, all of them, 
will they'll live a story, but then they'll they'll really, really, really be serious about it too. Don't forget what's happened here. You guys know in the Bible the rocks of remembrance? Do you know what those were? Right? So what they would do is when they would, like when they crossed the Jordan, right? When they're going in, the Lord says, I want you to build a pile of rocks here. And it looks a little odd. And your children one day are going to say, what's just the, why is that pile of rocks? What's the significance to this right here? And you're going to tell them, oh, yeah, that's, this reminds me of something. I, oh, yeah, that's right. This is where God led us through the Jordan River. And I think that the Lord today, as I read here in Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 32, wants us to go back to the rock of remembrance in your life. That you need to remember, wow, look how he saved me. And not just saved me, you know, from hell and from death and from sin, but look at all the times he was faithful when I said, I don't know how he's going to do it this time. And look at all the times. He's done it. And in Hebrews 10, 32, it says, I want you to think back. Everybody say, think back. I'm thinking back. Today, I got to think back. Come on, I've said this, I've said this so many times, but, and, I, and I am just as guilty, so I'm not pointing my fingers. I'm pointing my fingers at myself. But by the time you leave this service, you already forgot what I preached. I'm not offended. We're all human. It's hard to sit and listen, don't just sit and listen, be here. Come on, let's just be with the Lord here today. But I get it, okay? But I'm the same way, you know, we, okay, Lord, yes, Lord, we come out of a prayer time, and 30 minutes later, it's like you haven't prayed in five years. Anybody like me? Am I the only one? Today's the day to think back. I want you to think back on those early days. Everybody say, think back on those early days. When you first learned about Christ. Because it says, remember. Everybody say, remember. See, when Jesus comes and gets a hold of you the first time, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't know yet what you're about to face. That's funny. I can laugh at that because... If he were to tell you beforehand, none of you would have became Christians. <laughs> I mean, you'd want the good stuff, the eternal life, you know, the freedom from sin and, and, and the, the blessing and the protection that comes from God and his presence. But man, what it's going to take to get you there, stripping away of your flesh and becoming nothing and being humbled and being humbled and being humbled. And that's the only way, guys, and being humbled and being humbled. And just when you think you're humble, be humbled again. And now, okay, now, Lord, I've reached a place of humility. And you realize you're being in pride by saying, I'm humble. <laughs> and so the Lord's like, here we go again. But in the beginning, man, it was just love. Come on, remember that first moment you looked at your spouse? You saw their hair waving or their eyes, you know, something special, just something about it, right? That twinkle in your eye. Twinkle in their eye. Or whatever. 
I remember. I can remember the exact moment. I was like, yep, something's different today. And that happened with the Lord, didn't it? We need to come back to the simplicity. He said, if you want to walk with me, you want to be my, you want to be my people, then you have to be my little child. Simple. Just simple. Just come and sit on my lap. Just come sit on my knee. Remember the disciples were trying to push the children away, and Jesus says, don't push them away. That's the kingdom right there. That's the kingdom. If you don't become like them, you can't even enter the kingdom. Do you hear that? Wait a second. Jesus says, if you don't become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. What is a child? A child doesn't worry. A child doesn't fear. A child just knows I'm going to be taken care of. And, and they don't even understand, really, even when parents are bad parents, when they're real little, that's just what they know. They don't even understand that my parents are not really even a great parent, but they're my parent. And they love them. In fact, you know, that's how they brainwash. You know, like in Africa, what they do is they steal the children young, and then they put AK-47s in their hands, and they teach them to be like militia armies young, because if they can catch them then, they don't even know that this isn't even right. They just listen to their parents, so to speak. You know, they become their metaphorical, their fathers, and they show them, you know, some respect, give them what they need, and so on. So, you know, there's like this place that we have to get to with the Lord that, and, and, and I know that we need to get there. And I had just preached in September about resting in the Lord. And I feel like I'm, I'm kind of back in that kind of place again, preaching. We get to that place where, and he's not a, he's not a tyrannical leader who puts an AK-47 in your hand, okay? He's not that guy. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's the best father you could ever ask for. If you could even design a father on this earth that's a good father or a great father, you'd ne you could never even come close to the father he is. Because you can't even understand what he's up to. He's doing things like I already explained at the beginning of the sermon that's so far beyond you, so big. It's, it's so beyond what you can even imagine. It says, I want you to remember back then. Everybody say, remember back then. I was faithful. I want to stay faithful. Because it says, even though it meant terrible suffering, and, and as I read this list here, and, and, and as it goes into 33, I was a little ashamed because the Lord, I was like, we haven't faced this. And, and in Hebrews, he's telling them, hey, you went through this, and encouraging them to stay faithful. And I'm like, Lord, we haven't even touched a piece of this. So Lord, we better be faithful. He's telling them they can be faithful, and they've been through this, what we're about to read, verse 33. He's like, uh, you know, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule, and you were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things, and you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and all you owned was taken from you, and you accepted it with joy because you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. I was a little ashamed because I felt like the Lord encouraged me. He, he spoke verse 32 to me and says, I want you to remember. You need to remember. Stay faithful. Remember what I've done. Remember what happened when I came and found you and, and I plucked you out. And remember all the things I've done in your life. And then I read verse 33 into 34 and I was a little ashamed because I was like, Lord, don't encourage me with this verse. I haven't been through these things. 
These guys went through these things. And he's not writing it as an impossibility for him to be writing these verses in Hebrews is telling us that they had the capability, everybody said they were capable of still being faithful and still trusting in God and knowing, okay, doesn't look like God's on the scene sometimes, but I've been through things and God was always there. I've heard a joke, it's funny, people compare David and Goliath to you know, you passing a test at school, which is really funny. I'm not saying that the test for you to take is not your Goliath in the moment because, you know, it's how do you compare? You know, that's your moment. But it is funny. David comes out, nobody, nobody in all of Israel and all the warriors. We're talking lifelong trained warriors. And nobody will face him. And here comes this shepherd boy who had never fought a battle in his life, but the Lord's been training him on the backside, right? Been training him out there in the wilderness. And he comes in and says, I'll take him down. And then we compare <laughs> that story to us passing a test in school. It's hard to compare, isn't it? But at the same time, I'm, I'm not saying that to diminish you. I'm talking to my own, I'm talking to myself right here. I'm talking to me, but it should encourage me. Man, if he could trust God to do that, then I can trust you to do anything. That's what it should, it should encourage us. It should make us humble. Come on. It should humble us and be like, wow, God. Wow, God, the things that people trusted you through, Lord, we can trust you. So he says in verse 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. If he's telling them and warning them, don't throw away the confident trust, then what does that mean? Right? When we read verses like this, that means there was a temptation to stop trusting in the Lord. There was a temptation to forget what God has done. If he's telling them, don't throw it away, that means that when he's writing the Hebrews, he's like, listen, I'm kind of sensing in the spirit that you, you might be getting weary. You might be getting a little worn out. I think you've forgotten what Jesus did and, and all the times he delivered you and all the times he was faithful to you and even go all the way back to when he came and found you and saved you. I think you, you might be forgetting those moments and I sense that you're trying to make the best of it in yourself and and, and maybe you're losing a little bit of the thing that God's done on you, getting weary. And he says, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. Everybody say patient endurance is what I need now so that I will continue. Come on, everybody. So that I will continue to do God's will, and then I will receive all that he has promised. Man, I sense it in my bones. Maybe you're getting it from me today. But in my bones that God has victory in your life. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Here's what we do with God. We take victory and when we put it up here like this, and then we say, okay, Lord, uh, but, you know, I think I got myself in this jam, and I think that, you know, these things uh, came against me and put me in the jam, so it's their fault, or it's not my fault, or, 
you're like, well, it is my fault, etc. And we try to figure it all out so we can help God get to a victory. And you know what God says to us today? It doesn't mean there won't be some things that he'll have to work out as well. I don't care. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you messed up. He doesn't care. He cares about you. He says, just give it to me. You don't need to tell me your story. I know it. I was there. Just give me your heart. Do you know what the Bible is filled with? It's just so filled with. What's his word filled with? Redemption, 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 redemption. Second Peter, he says the same thing, just, just quickly. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Therefore, I always remind you about these things. And it's, you can look at his book, go and read Second Peter. You see what he's reminding him about, but he's encouraging about the things of God. Okay, um, He's wrote them a letter, building them up, tearing some things down, building some things up, as, they, as we see in the whole New Testament, right? As they wrote their letters to the churches. And he says, I remind you about these things even though you already know them. Say, I already know them, but I need to be reminded. Right? I, I just said this recently. Kids do this, but we do it as adults too. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I, I know, I know, I know. No, you don't know. That's why I'm telling you right now. If you knew, I wouldn't need to tell you. I mean, I think you know, like sometimes I'm talking to Dawn and she's like, I'm listening. I'm like, you're not listening. You're logging my words, but you're not listening. She can tell me back what I said, but there's a difference. She just has a good instant memory. <laughs> the tape recorder. She has her phone like this and I'll just be like, I'll just, I'm just going to, she'll just, she looks up sometimes because I'm quiet. I'm like, I'm just waiting. I'm going to wait till you're done and then I'll talk to you. She's, well, she's laughing because she's like, you do the same thing. It says, it says, even though, everybody say, even though, even though, you already know them, and you're standing firm in the truth you've been taught. Even when we're standing firm, Peter felt compelled to remind them anyway. Why? Why? I can tell you why. My personal life, if I'm not reminded of every second, of every day, I forget who God is and what he's done. I'll come up to, your, to you and I preach to you and I try, I try with every ounce in me not to give you my opinion or my feelings. And you hear some of my stories, but I, I want to give you God. And then I leave here and I'm just as human as you. And I have to go into the next day. And like, you know, as I've been talking to you the last couple of weeks, I come upon a job site or a certain person. And now I have to remember the words as well. Okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep working in me. Keep doing in me. It's never finished, ever. We're not finished till it's finished. 
And I don't have any right to be disrespectful to this person just because I can tell you why I've been respectful to everybody else. And, and, and so what? So I was disrespectful to one person today. We just can't do that. I don't want to re-preach those sermons. But if you are here the last couple of weeks, I've been mentioning those things. Because we need to be reminded it's for our sake. Come on, it's for our sake. Peter walked with Jesus. Not that I give authority to any of the verses over others. But I think Peter has a right to remind us. Because he's like, I was there. In fact, that's what he says. He says, it's only right. I love this. It's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. For we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw. He saw him. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. And I'm compelled to keep reminding you because it won't be long. It won't be long. That's it. Amen. Hey. Hey. It won't be long before they forget. Come on. In fact, it's in chapter 3, and I'll read that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, so why he's saying this? Because he says, he says, for we're not making up clever stories. We saw him with our own eyes. And verse 19, because of that experience, we have an even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And that's another sermon, but it's already been told, and it was told, and it was told. And all the people that missed him had to do was just stop and think about what God had already said. Come on, amen? What has he already said to us? What has he already told us? What has he said he would do? God's victory, God's answers in your life, God working in your life, it's not circumstantial, and yet he's doing it in your circumstances. Let me explain. And I've said this again a million times, but it's, it doesn't matter what it looks like. God is still God. It doesn't matter. But you're like, but God, wait, wait, wait. Okay, God, I get it. This was the Bible, like, you know, you don't pay your mortgage, whatever. You know, like, what could you possibly owe to shekel? And now... It's 2019, Lord, like, you know, here's the day. It's due. And, and we're like, well, we're trusting God. And God's just like, I've got this. And you go, well, the due date's already came. How do you got this? <laughs> I'm convinced God loves. Come on, don't get, don't get condemned. Come on, don't get condemned. As Jeannie mentioned on Tuesday by Job's friends. Job's friends love coming around and, and they love trying to create this perfect Christian to you. You need to get all the stuff that the world says is normal. Come on. Do we believe? 
they're normal. Listen, their other normal, which is really weird. Do we think that's normal? But we bring their financial system. We bring their family. You know, this is what you're supposed to do. Sundays are for soccer. This is normal. This is the day the bill's getting paid. Which, believe, I'm not telling you not to pay the bill if you have the money in your account, but if you're trusting God and you don't have the money, you don't suddenly say, well, God's failed. You just say, well, that's the system of this world. And you know what? If God's going to pay it late, then I guess God's going to pay the late fee too. I mean, that's it. You just got to come to, you got to come to terms with, see, we get so, we get rigid because we say God's got to do it this way. And that's how they missed him. I'm convinced God loves doing things so out of the ordinary on purpose. If you say, I want to follow you and you really have faith in God, God blows all the, he just, just tears it all down. Since since Dawn and I have been together, we have we've joked, we joke about this a lot, but we are not normal. We're not normal. I mean, I know you know that. And I don't, I don't care. I've said this before, I don't care. And then you're in it, and then you care. But God has been faithful. So he's done it so many times. I mean, if I if I were to come to God and say, Lord, where are you? I think God would get angry at me. Maybe not you. But he's done so many things for me so many times that I really don't have any excuse. Maybe you do. Maybe God's never done anything in your life. But we've seen him, and his word is his word. And that's it. This is what, see, Peter's like, listen, they missed him. They missed him. God said he was going to do it, and he did it, and, and so on. That's, that was your little commercial. That's a, just a little side thing. Back here, quickly, I don't want to take all, your whole day. And I had planned on maybe just preaching a little bit shorter to you today, which is very funny. Uh, verse 19, because of that experience, and it was, you know, it was, the, uh, it was already by the prophets. I lived it. I got to see it. He said it. It was done. Pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. We can read this two ways. We can read the prophets that, that pointed to Christ that said, you know, uh, they failed, they failed, they failed, they failed, they failed. I mean, murder, we're talking a weird, weird, uh, I mean, this is the Bible, okay? R rating, NC-17 rating. Orgy-type stuff by foreign, with foreign gods, and yet God's still sending Jesus to save them. Like, that doesn't change. The circumstance, I mean, it, they're crazy, you read in the word, the stuff that people did, and God's still faithful to them. So we can read the prophets just the same and say, wow, Lord, your word is your word, and you're going to do what you're going to do, and you're going to be faithful no matter what. And then simultaneously, I can read Peter the same way, because this is confirming him. And I'm going to read this saying, well, Peter told them to remember. That's the first generation. It's been 2,000 years. I certainly better remember. Because then he tells us, he says, 
In in, uh, chapter 3, he says, verse 1, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate. Come on, he's trying. Why is he trying so hard? Because Peter, this is first-generation church, and Peter's already sensing. Come on, why would he stimulate something that didn't need to be stimulated? I'm trying to stimulate something in you because instantly we grow cold. I'm kind of a freak for hot coffee. If you know me, it's a, it's a really funny joke because in the microwave, comes out of the curry in the microwave for like a minute. And I want one of those, they're really expensive and I can't afford it, but I want one of those. And Dawn thinks it's ridiculous because they're like $100, but it's a mug you can set the temperature to it, and it stays that temperature your entire experience. To me, that's amazing. I have not bought it. But, you know, the second it comes off the burner, what happens? You start cooling down. I was just saying recently to someone, I said, we can't get out of the battle for a second. It's not that time, guys. You cannot get out of the battle for a second. The second you take your foot off the gas, come on, the, the, the pressure from this world is so strong to conform to it. The second you let off and just think, I'm just going to take this day off. Usually it's Mondays, right? You're with the Lord on Sunday. Monday's a good day off. I'm just going to skip my Bible reading one time. Tuesday we'll be back at Bible study. It's just Monday morning. Come on, the devil comes in so quick because it's not just your life because that's enough. Just hating you and to take you down, that's enough. God, God would be heartbroken just by that alone. You, you matter. But also, you are supposed to be a light to your world. You are the representative of Jesus Christ. So he is in overdrive. Come on, have you sensed this, guys? Maybe the church, maybe it's just always been this way. And I think maybe, because I read Peter, first generation, saying, I'm trying to stimulate you. So I think maybe it's always been that way. But that he's just trying to get you, to stifle you, to get you to just be mediocre, get you cool, get you, you know, you're kind of, you love Jesus, you, you profess that you love Jesus, but you really don't do anything or say anything about him or for him. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell. We're not even going to touch that. I'm just saying, but maybe your life is just not doing anything. You're just existing. And he says, I tried to, this is the second time I'm writing you, and I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I love this. Guys, we need to, we need to get in his word and devour his word like never before. And, and to be honest, you need to fill your mind with the things of God like never before. We have so much stimulation. Do you know that's what they call all the things, right? All the sensory, all the things, it's stimulation. Okay, it's late, so two-second conspiracy theory, but television at night is conspiracy theory, okay, so that's, that's the clause. Was designed to lull you. To keep society lulled. Keep you dead. Docile. 
uh, and that's all I'm going to say, but just do some thinking about that. So the enemy is after your fire. He, what he does is so clear. It's clear because I've lived it, because you know it, because you're living it, and it's clear through his word. It's just to get you very quickly to forget the things of God, forget his faithfulness, forget what he's done, forget the victories, forget his word. And it happens because if he's trying to stimulate, if he's trying to refresh, he's talking about memory, that means we need to keep going over it and over it and over it. And just when you say, I know that, I've read that, I've been there, Another service, what are they going to preach about? The same thing I've heard my whole Christian life. Come on, there's more happening than the words you're hearing just in your ears. That's why the devil has really crushed the modern church. Nobody goes to church anymore. Because something supernatural happened just by gathering together. And Peter said, listen to me. If, I want you to remember this because he says, verse 2, and I'm going to close in this little chunk here. I want you to remember what the prophet said long ago about our, and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, and I just mentioned this in the last week or two, in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. And this is a picture of when you start believing what you feel and start believing what it looks like and not believing his word. That's what he's pointing to. And he said it would happen, guys, and it's happened. If we knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow, how many people you think would come to church today? I'm serious, guys. Seriously. I think the whole world might be, I think the Satanists might even be in church, some of them, just to make sure. Well, I'm just not sure. Maybe, maybe it is Jesus and not Satan. I'm just going to go to church today to make sure. Come on, guys. I don't want to make it about a building because it's not, right? Because we're not supposed to, we're not coming to a building. We're coming to, to be together around his word and around his presence to preserve what he put inside of us and just build it up and encourage ourselves, right, from amongst each other and, and so on. And the Lord's doing things behind the scenes you don't even know. And it's, it's because of this, it says, they will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again from before the times of our ancestors. Everything has remained the same since the world was first created. It's just, you know, come on, guys. I've heard this. You know, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that sermon my whole life, whatever. You know, they don't even mean to say that, but that's what they're saying by not caring. They deliberately forget God. It says that God, but I just want to, can I just use a little license just for a minute? Because that's what they're doing. They deliberately forget God. God can wait. He can't wait. Come on. I've been preaching about being dependent because I'm telling you, you will not make it to the end. You will not make it until the end unless you are steadfast and consistent and serious about this Jesus that you welcomed into your life. Because he said, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, 
And he brought the earth from the, out of the water and surrounded it with water. It says, verse 17, just for time, you already know these things, dear friends. So I want you to say this out loud. So I'm going to be on guard. So I will not be carried away by the errors. There's errors. One of the errors is it's all good, baby. It's all good. Just do whatever feels right. And it's crept in to Christianity. Come on, don't say it hasn't. You know it has. Maybe you're not living fully that way, but it has crept in. And it says, and you already know these things, so be on guard so you don't lose your secure footing. If we're not on guard, you will lose your footing, church. We must be on guard because, and, and, and again, God wants to do so, so, so much in us and through us. But um, I know that I know we have to have our faith in him and in him alone. He will let, as I mentioned last week, the enemy do things to get you to look at him, if that's what it takes, because he loves you. That's not the way he'd want it, but he will let pressure come until you look at him. And, and you have to then, once you look at him, just say, I cannot look at these circumstances anymore. I don't, I, the world and the people around you, and, 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 and I don't know what your issue is, but maybe your doctor's saying, you can't just not think about this. I don't know what your issue is, but when you know that you are supposed to trust God and keep trusting God, you just have to trust him. Because the world, they just forget God. It just comes so easy, and I, I don't want to carry on forever. So it says, rather... Verse 18, you must grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're growing in more and more grace and more and more knowledge of him. You're not just knowledge of him, but you're, it's the knowing of Jesus, not just knowledge. Your knowledge is knowing him. Amen. There's many, many more things. That's the closing to every single week that I say, because it's so true. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that you're so faithful to us. And I just thank you, Lord, that you said many things and some different things, Lord, but it's all pieced together that, Lord, you are Lord. You are God. And there is a victory, Lord, and we must look at that end, Lord. We must look to you, Lord. We must look with eternal eyes, Lord, with heavenly vision like your word says, Lord, heaven bound and, Lord, kingdom bound and, Lord, not earthly bound, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you will get us through every single thing, but we're going to stay close to you. We're going to keep trusting in you. We're going to stay close to your word for our own good, to keep our feet secure and so that we're not carried away. And Lord, I thank you today, and I just pray it out even, Lord, that we're going to see many miracles, Lord, in this season. I thank you, Lord. You're going to do for this church. God, praise you. Thank you, Lord. 
you're going to do for this church, Lord, what you said you would do. And I just speak freedom in the name of Jesus to addictions, the, the finishing, and it will never come back in the name of Jesus and into things that have pulled people's minds down and pulled people's bodies down and even pulled your spirit away from the Lord and got you back into this world. I thank you, Jesus, today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a finishing work of Jesus Christ in this church. In Jesus' name, we don't look with our natural eyes. We just look to you, Jesus, and we just give you praise. Amen. Amen.